Hello and welcome to the Radio FC podcast. Um, this is new, this is episode one, and what this is going to be all about, I will let you know in a minute. But today's episode is basically going to cover what the podcast is about, who we are, how Red Hill's season has gone so far, a special game that we had for our very last game before lockdown happened. There's also going to be an interview with the manager, Harrison Williams who has been in the job now uh, maybe um, for about five games, I think, in in total, five, six games, although he's been with the club longer. But we've got an interview with him coming up in a little while. And then there's going to be a little bit of talk about the ground and how well the pitch has been holding up this year, uh, which... um, if anybody knows Red Hill Football Club and Kiln Brow, over the years it's not had the best of luck where um, uh, you know the pitch has been concerned. But this year seems to be doing quite well, so we want to give a big thanks to somebody in particular. So, what the podcast is all about is just Red Hill Football Club in the main, uh, but we will be featuring some bits and bobs to do with local clubs around us. Um, Clubs like Hawley, who are probably our closest uh, uh, rival, if if you want to call them a rival, um, at our level of football. There's also the likes of South Park, just down the road, uh, Chips did, um, and there, there are plenty of others around us. So we'll, we'll give some updates about how their seasons are going, and also some news uh, about the Combine Counties and what's happening there. Uh, so that's basically what the podcast is all about. It is for anybody who's a football fan in all reality, although it is going to be surrounded by Red Hill Football Club's uh, life, as it were. So um, do listen in. It would be fantastic to have you on board. But who are we that's running this particular podcast? Well, we, it's me. It's not just my voice. There'll be another here in a second or so, uh, which is Charlie Bright. Charlie Bright is part of the football club uh, and is part of the managerial team, being one of the coaches. And he's here with me now. How are you doing, Charlie? Not too bad, Dom. You? Yeah, all good. It's absolutely good. Just, I just can't believe that we're in another lockdown situation where we've got no football to go to. But what can you do? Um We've just got to suffer it, I guess. Yeah, it's not it's not been great, but um, hopefully we get through the next couple of weeks and, and get back to some action. That would be fantastic. Now, how has your history with the club been? What, you know, where where did you start off? Where, when was your first game? Do you think? My first game uh, was pro- was as a, as a, a supporter, um, probably back in the early nineties. Um, came with my dad and granddad to games. Um, my family's connection to the club started way back in the 50s. My granddad played for the club. Um, he played in the um, FA Cup first round team. Um, so that That's was, a, so the that's Norwich how, game. The Norwich, yeah, 6-1. And he, he scored, uh, finally scored um, in the fourth qualifying round against Tottenham Mitchum. And he went in goal in the same game. Oh, wow. Um, so multi-talented. Yeah, the goalkeeper got injured, and uh, for it was only off for about half an hour. That the granddad went in goal. He had already scored by that by that time, and uh, Red Hill quite a famous victory back then, actually at Tooting, because Tooting were a good good side back then. Um, and yeah, so it started way back then for my family, and then yeah, coming to games as a, as a youngster, um, and then moving into coaching the juniors with my dad, um, and my brother played for the juniors. And then all the way to now, really, played played a few games for the reserves, but didn't really uh, 
getting to playing for Red Hill, which was a shame. Most of my playing days were in the Sussex League, but um, sure. No, so, I mean you. You did make a couple of appearances um, back when you uh, uh, had your playing career going, but uh, it's just a shame that you did, you weren't sort of part of it for for more than that, I guess. Yeah, it was only uh, only a couple of games for the reserves, really. But um, yeah, it would have been great to play for for the club. Um, but obviously, I've sort of had a second chance with um, you know managing the under eighteen side, and now being part of the management team under Harrison. So it's um, it's been it's been good to be back part of the club for the last four or five years, you know? Yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, my side of things, I've... Sadly, my footballing career never led me to the heights of being even... Um, to, 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 to qualify to play for a club of Red Hill's level at all. I um, I skirted around the sort of Red Hill leagues, as it were, the, you know, the Red Hill and district leagues. Um, so my association with the club has purely been um, to do with being a supporter. And um, I started off, I guess, back in 1983-ish, uh, when my dad, well, my family moved to the area from Kingswood down to Merstham. And my dad, prior to that, had been sort of a bit of a, a Leatherhead supporter, if anything, going over to watch them. But because Redhill were right on his doorstep, decided to switch allegiances to Redhill. And as a kid, I followed on and uh, wanted to go to football with him. So I experienced the uh, the glory years of winning the Athenian League. Uh, the immediate sadness of being shifted from the memorial ground down to Kilnbrow. Um, and the unfortunate side of that was that we weren't given the prize of promotion, but the sadness of relegation because the ground wasn't up to standards. Um, and then following the team around the London Spartan League and the Sussex County Leagues and, um, you know, up until a point where I stopped coming along because uh, work got in the way, life got in the way, family got in the way, stuff like that. And then um, as it turned out, things just enabled me to come back to football, I don't know, about four or five years ago. And um, I slowly started coming back into it over that first couple of seasons because I was doing a lot of weddings because I'm a wedding photographer uh, by, by trade. And um, because that slowed down a lot, uh, by choice over the last few years I've been able to come to football again which is which is fantastic and um, uh, I'm now doing stuff for the club in terms of media that you were doing quite heavily um, over the last few years as well so uh, I'm not sort of taking over from your position as it were but enabling other bits and bobs to happen as well as um what you were doing initially so because you were doing the twitter for quite a while and uh, the facebook and bits and bobs like that weren't you yeah i came in uh i came in the season we were in division one of the combine counties um started doing the program a uh, bit of social media and stuff <clears throat> and then i've moved up i've moved on really uh, still do a bit of media uh, do a bit of uh, first team match, match secretary uh, duties and obviously got it right involved with the football side of things um, so this is my fifth season on the committee um, but yeah it's been enjoyable it's, it's been interesting you know it's it's a lot different to what I was used to before um, going to watch my my other club um, home and away uh, a lot different but yeah it's been really enjoyable 
Well, that's good. I mean, it, it's when you put it across like that, that's quite a lot of stuff that you do do for the club or have done for the club. And you're continuing to do now from the bench as well, helping helping the team out on a coaching level. Um, so it must occupy quite a bit of your life, really. It, it does, yeah. It, it's busy with with the under-18s uh, management as well. It, it can be busy, you know, but... Um, it's something that I enjoy. Luckily, I have um, an understanding family that that we all want to do what we want to do and enjoy it. So, um, luckily, I have that. And, um, yeah, so not too bad. But um, yeah, we're just really interested now in just you know I'm in parts of in, I'm sort of part of every every part of the club playing side, committee side, and I'm just really keen to like take the club forward where I can. You know, under 18s help. Um, yeah. yeah the first team and obviously committee side of things try and push that forward as well so hopefully in the next few years we can really push the club um, forward further well that would be fantastic it would be nice to see some success come to the club uh, and however that happens through on the pitch success through how the club performs away from the pitch as well would be fantastic it, you know to get a, you know to, to gain a lot more support would would enable the club to do a lot more stuff um you know in the community uh, on the football pitch uh, it would just be a good good thing so but uh, yeah so it's highly commendable the amount of work that you do for the club it's 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 fantastic so um you know from my perspective where i just do things like this podcast the, the twitter the, the facebook some photography some graphic design and stuff like that for the club as well um i'm not uh, obviously I'm not putting in as much effort as you are so it's highly commendable what you do <laughs> I think um, the football clubs of our, at our level um, need they need people to put in 100 hours a week like some people do at Red Hill Football mm. Club and 2 hours a week like some people do at the club and without everyone um, joining in then I think we'd struggle to run the club so I think everyone that puts their time in and that includes you know, manager, managers, coaches, um, volunteers, everyone. They they deserve a pat on the back, really, because they give up their their time uh, to to try and help make the club a better place. That that's very true. That's very true indeed. So, yeah, it's um, it is it's amazing when you're not part of something like this. You don't quite realise exactly how. Um, involved it really is a club of our level I mean we're step five of non-league um, and you know, most people think well there's a game on a Saturday and that's it or a game on a Tuesday night and that's it and it's, that, that's not it at all That's there is so much more that goes into it so it's um, like I say from my perspective I, I think it's fantastic the effort that you put in it's, it's brilliant but there, but there we go um, so from effort away from the pitch to effort on the pitch, how have we done this season so far? Um, what's your overview of the season so far? How do you think we've fared um, all in all? Because from my perspective, from what I've witnessed, although the results haven't been fantastic until these last four or five games, I've not really seen anything from the team that would, would make you worry about the sort of uh, players that we have. Uh, I think they're, they're, they're a good bunch. They're a good, good bunch. It just didn't quite click to start off with. What are your thoughts? 
it, it's difficult. Um, we we were a bit short, possibly start of the season, conceded a few soft goals from set pieces and stuff. Um, didn't quite score enough goals going the other way. Mm. Um, and you know it's cost us. And we've been in with chances. We've had chances every game um, early on in the season. Um, and we just didn't take the chances. And then we've, we've rued them later on in games. Uh, and there's also games like Bad Shotley away. You know, we've had a good lead there and we've let that slip. Yeah, that was uh, that was a 3-2 loss in the end. We were 2-0 up. Uh, I think it was half-time, wasn't it? 2-0 up at half-time? Uh, I, I think they scored just before the break. Um, which gave yeah, no, you're right. Uh, impetus. But, you know, it is what it is. Um Things have improved lately. Um, scored more goals. I think mean, you know, our goal tally in the last sort of six games has been incredible. Really, um, just bit bit free on you know making a few more chances, actually taking them, which is always helps. Um, and we've been you know I think we've been a bit better defensively. Definitely a very good squad there. Uh, it's a young squad, mm. um, but a very good squad. And uh, I do believe that you know we won't. We won't be hanging around that bottom three or four for too long. Um, yeah, no, I mean, the, their first uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, about seven or eight games, we we properly did struggle to, to buy a win, to be fair. Um, although, like I said, the, the performances never suggested that we should be where we were. But we were pretty much bottom of the league after that point. We're up to 18th now. I know that doesn't sound like much, but after such a poor start, what's happened in the last three, four weeks of playable season, because obviously we've been locked down for a couple of weeks now, uh, has been a big change. So uh, it's, like you say, these, these, these last six games, I think from what I've just added up in my head, we've scored something like 20 goals, which that's pretty fantastic to be fair and that is going to buy you wins yeah I mean yeah I think it's like 17 17 in 6 um, which is you know very good uh, by anyone's standards um, maybe a bit disappointed at the Canterbury result um, but you know that was early days in uh, Harrison's yeah. sort of regime um, the Suncom Rovers game actually 4-1 result flattered them slightly I felt we actually played quite well in the game and the second half for 20-25 minutes we felt we were the better team yeah um, yeah fully but they were clinical that. They, you know, they were clinical at the end two late goals from 2-1 went to 4-1 which you know it was a little bit harsher on the boys I felt but um, you know you have to take that one on the chin and we we bounced back obviously with the brilliant win on the Tuesday night against Leverhead yeah, yeah, no, indeed. It's uh, I fully agree with everything you said about the Sutton Conway Rovers game. It was a complete contrast to the game we had at home against them earlier in the season, where we we basically rolled over and lost five nil. This this away game to them was just completely different. And for if you take the game as a whole, I would have suggested for at least seventy minutes we were the better team. We'd contained them pretty well in the first half, but in the second half we did. Um, we controlled the game for huge periods and it just just you know having spoken to other supporters we just feel that the, the you know as much as anything luck hasn't fallen our way in many many respects where you know a ball might break free in 
you know, in our luck, it doesn't break free. It pings out for a goal kick or a corner. You know, it's just one of those things. But um, yeah, definitely going on to the Leatherhead game was just that was um, in all of my footballing supporting um, career, if you like to call it a career. I've I've never witnessed what I would call um, a giant killing, and as much as I know a, a couple of Leatherhead fans on Twitter may not agree with this, for us, for our situation, for our level of football, for us being, at that point, 47 positions behind them in the league tables, that was what we would call a giant killing. Do you know, it's just... For us, that was fantastic, and we celebrated that because we should, we could. You know, we, we showed a lot of passion in that game, Um and showed a lot of passion after that game. The players showed how much they cared for what they'd just done, which was fantastic. It really was. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, if you can't celebrate a, a big win in any game of football, uh, be it a Sunday morning for, if you're a kid, or, <laughs> or you're winning a Surrey Cup match against a team two divisions higher, then probably not the game for you. You know, I, I don't see why you should be, uh, why you shouldn't celebrate a good victory like that. And the boys, you know, I mean, bodies on the line and resilience, mm. you know, rode, rode our luck as well at times. Um, but thoroughly, in my opinion, deserved to win the game. And so I, I felt, you know, the, the celebrations at the end were, were deserved. Yeah, yeah. And fully justified, fully justified. Um, it's, uh, and the, and the reason I mentioned the Leatherhead fans was because there were two or three that w- were on Twitter saying, uh, can someone remind them that wasn't the final? Well, for us, that that could have been the final because they were a team above us that should have, you know, in all reality, should have um, disposed of us, if you like, as the league positions uh, would sort of dictate. But, but we rocked up and... Um, we put in that that performance that was just so so special and yet I think they have slightly short memories as well because they were in exactly that same position uh, January February time when Leatherhead took on Sutton and won and I seem to remember them cheering pretty well at the end of that game too so they can't vilify us for having a little bit of a celebrate so (laughs) no exactly I mean you know that's what football's about and uh, you know I know they they had some young players out um, playing, um, but so did we. You know, yeah. we had Ali, Ali Tallboys, eighteen years old, playing centre half. Uh, Matt McKenzie, eighteen year old, years old, playing at right back. Um, you know, we had we had uh, Sam King in there. We had uh, Daniel Iqbal in there. We had uh, Nathan Hogan uh, playing the play, starting the game. You know, all teenagers. Yeah. So that's a massive result, a massive performance, and a massive moment in their careers because they're all very talented players and you know they'll remember that and take that into future games when you know yeah. may, maybe the chips are down but they'll remember that you know they mixed it with Leverhead and got a result and it'll, it'll stand them in good stead you know no indeedy one thing I am thankful to uh, Leatherhead for though I have to say is the fact that they had that game videoed uh, because I don't know whether you're aware of this or not but I missed the first goal because we were trying to get to the uh, terrace that was right behind the goal we were shooting at, we had to walk around the back of the uh, clubhouse to uh, get to where we wanted to be. And whilst we were walking around the back, we hear a cheer go up and we're thinking, 
Yeah, great, we're 1-0 down. Walk round the corner to see Pete Fisher and some of the other lads there, Nigel, jumping up and down celebrating, thinking, oh, Christ, we've just missed our own goal. It's just, <laughs> you know, and you're thinking from a perspective of, you know, we're up against Leatherhead here, there's every chance we're not going to score again, and I've just missed it. Um, but yeah. thankfully, thankfully, there were two more to come to put them out 3-2. So uh, that was fantastic. Just unreal. So now I think it is probably time for us to get Harrison on the line and um, start our interview with the manager and see what he's got to say about how he's fared over the first few games and um, we'll ping some questions at him and see what he's got to say. So we've got Harrison on the line. Um, Harrison, how are you? Yeah, very well, thanks, Dom. Yourself? Charlie, how are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, H, thank you. All good, sir. All good, sir. So, you've been in the job just a short while now, but um, it's a case of not many people will really know exactly much about you. So, who are you? Who is Harrison? What are you up to away from football? What keeps you busy? Yeah, um, to be fair, lots lots of different things, um, Dom, if I'm honest. Um, I'm a recruitment consultant by day, um, work, for, work for Reed Recruitment. Um, just been doing that for a number of years now. Um, other than that, mate, love my football. Really, to be fair, if it's, if it's not work, it is football. Um, so, so have you got a team that you support? Yeah, I mean, it's that age-old question, isn't it? Of you know, when footballers are asked, "Who did you support as a boy?" Which I find a bit of a weird question, to be fair, because if you support them as a boy, you still support them now. So, who do you support? I'm a Brentford fan. Um, have been since I was a little boy. Really, my dad grew up around there, so started taking sure. me from a young age. Yeah, sort of stuck. So they're off to a new stadium, I believe. Has that happened already? It has, yeah. They're, they're there. Um, obviously, didn't um, didn't really get, get to say goodbye to the old one, unfortunately, because obviously mm. the last games were played during lockdown. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, it's quite yeah. So I haven't, haven't been to the new one yet. I've been past it on the train. Um, okay. Because obviously, I popped up to Brentford before they shut the old stadium. Yeah, yeah. For playoff games and watched them in a pub around there. Um, so, yeah, it does look good, though, I have to say, for, for a club of our size and watching us in the bottom of League Two and things like that, to see us at the top end is quite nice. So, yeah. Um, it is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. So, they've done well, done well. So, I mean, you're now the manager, but are there any managers that you've kind of look up to or take influence or inspiration from, uh, be it at professional levels or even down here at non-league? Yeah, I think hundred percent. I think you know it's, it's it's never an individual as such or, or any real standout. Um, for me, I think I, I admire different people and different jobs they've done where they've been. Um, mm. You know, I think someone like you know, Roy Hodgson and the job he does at Palace, for example, is you know working off a limited budget and limited resources to get the best out of his players year on year um, is something to be admired. But I suppose. At the real, the real elite level, like I think jo- Jose has been one of my favourites over the years sure. of my coaching journey um, for, for various different reasons, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Charlie, where are you at with, with managers and stuff? Who, who's, I mean, you're sitting on the bench beside Harrison there. Who have you uh, sort of looked up to as a, a, a somebody that's a decent manager? Um, I'm, I'm a bit like H, really. I mean there's certain people who have done certain jobs and you sort of look at that, that job they've actually done and thought they've done a great job there. I mean, at the moment, for me, 
Um, I, I really admire Graham Potter at Brighton. Okay. Um, he's he's got a way that he wants to play. He's not going to um, move away from that, no matter you know that they've they started the season really controlling games, but not scoring scoring the goals. Um, they had mm. their rewards last night at Villa, um, and I, I just really admire him. I, I think he, he sort of went a different route to a lot of managers um, by going over to Oster, Sweden or, you know, Ostersteins or um, actually beat Arsenal, didn't they, in at the Emirates. Um, I, I really admire him. Um, you know, first 10 years of Arsene Wenger was, you know, I'll never see that again. <laughs> yeah. um, the last 10 years, you know, not, not so good. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... It's been great, and and to be honest, uh, when I when I started sort of coaching at this higher level at Redhill, um, Enzo obviously Mark Ensley, you know, is a is a great help for me. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. So obviously, I take took over from, from the under 18s uh, from Mark, and you know, Mark's done everything at the club. You know, he's been first team manager. He won the league with the under 18s, and he was a great player played over 450 games so you know at a more sort of our level uh, Enzo was a great a great help for me in, in the early days sure. under A level I, I remember watching him many a time down in the uh, Sussex County and um, probably even the London Spartan League back in the sort of late 80s early 90s um, he was a fantastic player and uh, you know a leader on the pitch so I imagine he's very much the same away from it um, now Charlie gave us a bit of an overview of, of his playing career and where he's got to uh, where he is now uh, earlier on in the podcast. So, uh, Harrison, how has your football career progressed to this point? How did you get here? Where have you been before? What have you done sort of along the way? Yeah, um, to be honest, my, my, my playing career ended very, very early, really. I've not played any any level or, or even semi-seriously since since sort of 17, 18 years of age. Um, started off, I was, I was a goalkeeper and always was throughout my career um, or when I played mm-hmm. as a child. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and played at a very decent level at a young age. Um, so I spent time at, at Wimbledon, the old Wimbledon, before they moved to, to Milton Keynes. Um, spent then a, a, a good good year or so at Reading shortly after that as well. So I was in the academy, okay. the academy system from sort of seven, eight years old when they first take you in to, to, to about 11, 12. Um, and then went back and played sort of, you know, uh, the, the Surrey Youth League with with Sutton United, Carl Shorten, um, different clubs like that. Played a bit of youth team football for Carl Shorten, which is where I first, um, first, first met Barry, who um, was playing for Okay, him. yeah, yeah. Shorten there. Um, so, yeah, and, and then very quickly, I, I always had a, you know, always liked the game, always watched the game. I think it was always coached with coaches, um, even at, at grassroots level, away from the, the pro clubs, um, that there were good coaches at that level and people that understood the game and run, you know, even back at grassroots, I played with a lot of good players um, that have gone on to have good careers and, and, and are playing at the, the higher ends of non-league football, the lower ends of the pyramid now, um, you know, played with and played against. So, you know, I think you learn you learn from those people. I had a keen understanding for the game. I played yeah, yeah. at the you know, obviously as a goalkeeper, you can see everything. So I think you learn you actually are absorbing more information and actually the technical and tactical information sometimes as you start to learn it 
from very little tactical information under you know at a young age up to starting to understand the the full game and the full picture at 15 16. yeah yeah I, I probably absorbed more than I, than maybe those that were playing centre midfield and were all action box to box and running around doing it because I could see it um so I stopped coach I stopped stopped playing at sort of 17 18 I started coaching at 16 at Carshall Athletic um started off doing like a little under sevens team um which is which was mad um and and great fun and a good place to start and then slowly sort of progressed through the age groups um and a couple of years later so by the time I'd finished playing um Ian Hazel who was the youth team manager or the academy manager at Bar Shorten um it sort of allowed me to get get involved and get some experience with the youth team um and, and then eventually I sort of took took on that project managing the Ryman Youth League side there, or the Bostick Youth League as it, as it is now. Um, spent a good two years with them. And then, you know, um, when Barry was at Red Hill, he offered me the opportunity um, after I spent a bit of time sort of working closely to some of the first team managers at Carl Shorten, like Rob Scantlebury and, and, and Matt Howard. Um, spent some time working alongside them. Um, Barry offered me the opportunity alongside Gavin, uh, to come and meet with, with, with Jerry O'Leary for the for the vacant Red Hill Reserve Team Manager job, probably about okay about four years ago now. Uh, yeah, probably about three and a half years ago. Um, and obviously, you know, did that for a little while, um, and then stepped away from football for a little bit until until Barry took over as as manager. Sort of, well, I suppose it's coming up for two years ago now, eight, eight, 18 months ago, a bit more than that. Um, and, and and he asked me to come in and, and work alongside him there, and it's sort of gone from there. So that's that's my my, my journey, really. I, I suppose yeah. a bit long winded, but yeah. So I mean, you were appointed the manager not so long ago, um, and you know I've got to imagine there were quite a few applicants for the job, but you come out top. You must be pretty pleased about that. Yeah, absolutely delighted, um, and, and and wasn't to be to be. I wasn't expected to be honest. Um, I, I, I sat down with, with, with Charlie and, and Anthony Reynolds and, and Tom Cope as well when we, we, we was asked to, to step in on an interim basis. Um, and it was, it was a question lots of people were asking, what, you know, are you going to apply? Do you, do you want to do the job? And, and I wasn't sure. I wanted to, having been so close to it, um, you know, by, by being so close working with Barry and, and working with the players, um, obviously, things hadn't quite worked out for, for, for whatever reason, and I didn't want to, to to jump the gun and apply. I wanted to see the reaction I got from the players. I wanted to see the buy-in, um, you know, because I, I I do have my own ideas that we had to try and get across to the boys, and I wanted to see what that was. Um, and we got that. We got a great buy-in. Obviously, a fantastic result at, at Collier's Wood, and that sort of made my mind up that, yeah, okay, I've, I've sat I've sat in that seat now. I know what it feels like, and 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 you know, I want I wanted it longer term. So, you know, I was mm. delighted to 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 be selected and, and be given the opportunity, um, and and hopefully over time, we'll um, myself and, and and the strong management team I've got behind me will be able to be able to prove that selection a good one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, talking of of that Collier's Wood game from from our perspective on the touchline, blimey, that was a bit of a City your pants job towards the end. It was just a, a very exciting game and one in which I think I nearly lost my voice uh, several times over th- 
through hollering from the touchline there. But um, no, that was fantastic. And it was a, a very clear indication that the lads are definitely on side with what you wanted. I mean, the, the absolute passion and, and effort and commitment they put into that game to ensure we got the win was fantastic. Um, but we don't want too many of those games this season. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was just unreal. But there we go. Um, so how are you enjoying it so far? I mean, I know you've been on the touchline as uh, assistant manager prior, but now taking the reins, are you enjoying it? Is it good? It, it, it is. It, it, it's terrific. It's a terrific experience and, and an opportunity. Um, I'm lucky that, that I've got a good, good team behind me that, Support me all the way in in um, you know in Kopi, Charlie and Anthony. Um, we work well together. We get on very well away from the pitch, which is important. Um, yeah, overall, really enjoying it. I think it, one thing I don't maybe didn't appreciate until until you sit in the, in in the hot seat, so to speak, is the the uh, how tired I am on a on, on a Saturday night <laughs> game. Um, you know, I, I get home sit down, try and watch a bit of telly or order a bit of dinner in or something. And, and I, I could I could fall asleep where I stand uh, in some ways. But, you know, I've been around football all my life. I wanted to get into into management one day. You know, I've been working towards this really since since I took the youth team job at Carl Shorten back in sort of 2015 20, or 2014, 2015, I suppose. So, you know, it's great to have the opportunity. Um, and, and, yeah, we've... We, I think we've made a, a decent start, albeit not perfect. But certainly, um, I think the trend is upwards at the moment. So long may that continue. No, indeedy, indeedy. So, I mean, I know, you again, you've been in and around the team for quite a while and you'd caretaker managed uh, a handful of games before our last game, as it were. But how did that feel as your second official game as manager to do what we did to Leatherhead? Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was special really. Um, you know, there's, there's some, there's some moments in, you know, uh, like I said, you, you do football as a, from, from, you know, you're involved in football from a child through to, to where I am in my mid twenties now. And, you know, there, there's some special moments and special memories that, that you'll remember. And, you know, I think that was one of them. It was, <laughs> We looked at our fixture um, and, and it was four away games, obviously, was what was scheduled before the lockdown was announced. The real tough one at SCR. Um, Leverhead obviously didn't get any easier and, and was always going to be a difficult evening. And then followed by two other away games with decent sides in the Conman counties. So it was never going to be easy. So, um, But yeah, it was, it was an amazing feeling. I think the boys were fantastic and, and it was a special performance from... You know, a young group of lads who, who, who you know, were were determined um, to cause an upset. And don't get me wrong, some nights, some nights are your night, some nights aren't your night. Yeah. Um, and you know, we 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 scored when we had the opportunity to, and and Leverhead missed maybe when they should have scored, and it might have been different if it hadn't have been that way. But um, yeah, it was, it was it was a great night, and I think a great night to bring this group of players and, and, and management team maybe a little bit closer to what was a decent Red Hill following there that night uh, mm. in terms of, of some games I've been to away from home. Um, there was there was a good number of the committee fans um, and, and people watching from a Red Hill perspective that night. So, yeah, it was very, very, very good and very pleasing. 
I, you uh, alluded to the young team and uh, and that it's. Um, I mean, yeah, we we kind of rode our luck a little bit in you know a couple of occasions where they struck the bar, they hit the upright, and, uh, and Jack in goal, Jack Minchin, he he pulled off several fantastic saves, um, but. We had a little bit of a new look back four, really, uh, uh, you know, for that game and possibly the game before, from what I remember. Um, and we held Leatherheads to them only being able to score via penalties. I mean, that must have been very satisfying, um, knowing that uh, and such a young back four in many respects as well, that they kept them out from general play, not being able to score. Yeah, it was it was pleasing. Obviously, you know, maybe a little bit disappointed in, in the nature of, of the penalties we gave away. Um, mm. But when you're defending for that for that length of time under that pressure, um, you know Leverhead were very direct in their approach. Two big centre forwards, two direct pacey wingers. Um, you know they, they they put the ball in the box as often as possible from from deep, from getting it out wide and getting crosses by the byline. So it was a barrage, and and you know the back four little bit little bit new look, but but not not so much in the sense that. You know, Matt McKenzie at right back has played there before, and it's not something that's completely new to him. Um, mm. Arnie and, and Nathan have been our centre half pairing for every game since we've taken over as caretaker charge. And, and, and you know, Franny was playing on his weaker foot at left back, but again, mm. fullback is something that he's done a few times for Redhill and and quite quite you know um, held his own there. And actually, a position I think he, he does more than more than okay in. And those guys defended. Brilliantly, and, and, and the midfield four in front of them actually was well, midfield four. The, the the bank of four in front of them, with Sam King and Joe Jarrett, and and the two wide guys in Danielle and and Nathan Hogan made it, a, you know, a solid a solid unit to play through, and, and and made it difficult. And they picked up the second balls, and whatnot. And obviously Jack Jack behind them was was fantastic. Probably his best game um, this season. Jack actually, mm. and, and and much closer to the levels that. That we've seen him produce um, in his time at the club, so you know, it was delighted for those boys, six or seven teenagers out there, um, and they could have, they could have hid because that was, you know, we don't play at grounds in front of six hundred people. We're lucky if it's if it's a hundred plus. Um, yeah, yeah. And there aren't too many intimidating places we go to really, um, and the atmosphere there and 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 the group behind the goal were very vocal. It did make could have made it difficult. Could have have sent sent um, our boys into hiding a little bit, but actually, they come out and, and, and they puff their chests out, and, and and you know I think we we made it a very difficult night for them, which um, is not something perhaps you've been able to say of of Red Hill teams in the part or in the, in in my time at the club, um, you know, make making it difficult and being hard to beat is something that we've looked to introduce. So from that point of view, delighted. So was there a key message before the game to the team when they went out? Was you know, was it a case of contain them, hit them on the break, or defend like you've never defended before, or just go out and do your usual thing um, and enjoy yourselves? Possibly. Uh, I mean, what was sort of said? I mean, what can you say ahead of that? Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was difficult. You, you didn't know what to expect, and sometimes in the Surrey Cup, teams make wholesale changes, which obviously. Leverhead made some, but but not not to the extent of, of how other teams might have done. It was still a fairly strong side. Um, but my message was really, and it had been this, it's pretty consistent from when we took over, we know we're good going forward. We know we're 
exciting and difficult to handle on the counter-attack. And we spent a lot of work on our defensive shape um, in in sessions gone past leading up to this game, not specifically for the Leatherhead game, but for, for all games in general, because if we can be more difficult to break down, we will hit and hurt teams on the counter-attack. Um, so, so the message was a combination really of, you know, put into practice what we've been working on. Um, you know, whilst we play a, a 4-3-3 off the ball, it sort of turns into a, a 4-4-1-1. So, um, you know, the wide players drop in alongside the two midfield players in front of the back four. So there's two banks, a solid four there. Um, mm. and, and the more bodies we have behind ball, the harder we are to break down. So it was about getting that shape waiting for the passes that could be pressed into midfield, turning the ball over when we can. Um, and actually, you know, albeit our goals come from set pieces that night, we did have a couple of glorious opportunities ourselves, mm. open play. We did. Um, you know, I think there's one with, with, with uh, Big Mo at the end of the first half. Nathan Hogan had one as well from open play. Um, so if we had scored from open play, open play ourselves that night, no one would have, um, I don't think anyone could have griped. So, you know, the message was that, you know, to, to, to put those into practice. But my message has always been to enjoy it from, from the very first night at Collier's Wood. If, if, you know, people come and watch Red... Why should people come and watch Red Hill? For me, it's because there's exciting footballers all around the pitch. Um, and, and there's people that can... There's players that can hurt opposition, um, you know, and we should be good and exciting to watch. And to get that that uh, fluidity and, and, and maybe flair at times out of the boys, they need to be enjoying it and, and the pressure needs to be off. So, yes, we did emphasise that. Um, but, yeah, the, the message was, was not one um, too different. Um, and, and, and I firmly believe that if we did defend well, um, we, could, we could make it a difficult evening and be competitive. And, you know, in the end, it went our way and even better than expected. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but deep down, we had we had something to offer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I, I, and it was a fantastic result. It's a fantastic game. Fantastic amount of effort put in. It was it was brilliant. Um, but then that is cup games all over. Sometimes the you know that that sort of underdog thing versus the the giant. It's um, uh, performances can sort of outweigh the usual, as it were, um, and they can throw up surprises, as we know, um, as cup games always do. But can we take anything from that to suggest we've got a, a brighter future coming up? Uh, I think so. I think I think um, you know it, it was a tr tremendous performance, but actually, you know, it was it was the end of of, of six games that myself and the management team had looked after. And I think in that time, albeit we'd lost a couple, I think we'd, we'd say overall we'd turned in, you know, five and a half really decent games, you know, halves of football, so to speak. So um, I think I think the future was was, was looking brighter and, and, and looking like an upward trend anyway. Um, and and let's, let's, let's not get carried away. It was a good win. Um, it was a good performance, but we've got a lot of work to do and a lot of improvements to make. Um, but we have been making those. And I think maybe this performance was, um, the, you know, maybe maybe a turning point in the belief in some of the players. Um, you know, and, and hopefully we will we will kick on to, to bigger and better things and have more nights like, you know, that night at Leverhead and, and mm. 
in, in whether they be FA competitions or, or the next rounds of the Surrey Cup and League Cup. But um, certainly it's a feeling I think those players will thrive off and they'll, having experienced it now, will want, to, will want to experience again, it again. And maybe they know now a little bit more about what it takes. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know at the moment, we, our league season, it's, uh, well, it's split into two, really. Um, <laughs> there's pre-Harrison and then there's Harrison onwards. And Harrison onwards has been certainly better than pre-Harrison, as it were. And um, we're still currently third to bottom, which uh, sounds bad, but the, the performances we've been putting in have been pretty fantastic over the last six games or so. Um, and even prior to that, I mean, I've, I was saying to Charlie earlier that the players that we've got on board um, haven't looked bad at all all season in, in all reality. It's just not kind of clicked in that first part, whereas it's clicking now. Do you feel that we're, we're going to continue that particular trend and start the climb up the, the league table? Yeah, I, I, I really hope so. Um, I think maybe lockdown, you know, speaking to different people in football and around the club, some people have the, the impression that this lockdown is going to work in our favour and, and enable us to, to get a few, you know, to regroup, um, reset and go again. Um, others sort of said it's maybe come at a bad time and, and you know, what, how great would it have been to carry on playing the Saturday after Leatherhead and so on. So, who knows whether that that you know who's right with that one really? I, I don't know myself either. Um, <laughs> but what what I would say is that you know we're confident in this group of players. Um, hence, why we haven't made mass changes since since coming in because we believed in the players that were there and we believed in what what they were capable of. And I think we've started to yeah. the players have have started to turn in performances that they are capable of. And there's there's improvements to make. Um, it, it can get better, um, but at the same time, we are starting to, to improve. So I, I envisage that carrying on. Myself, coaching staff, and players will work tirelessly to, to continue that. Um, so yeah, we, we're not a bottom three side. We shouldn't be a bottom three side, um, and and you know we'll, we'll. I'm confident that that we'll we'll climb the table um, in the coming months. Good stuff. That's exactly the answer I wanted to hear as a supporter. <laughs> um, but what does Harrison think the key to success at our current level of football really is? Um, I've witnessed what Chertsey did uh, in the last league that had actually had a promotion. Um, and then prior to that, there have been other teams that have had different philosophies. What's yours? Which way do you reckon we should be going to, to get that? I mean, not this season. I think um, this season is one of those sort of change around seasons, as it were, get things set. And then maybe next season, what, what, what would your, be, uh, your thoughts be on an ideal path to success? I think continuity is important. Um, so these things don't happen overnight. Um you know, obviously, you, know, you spoke about Chelsea Town. It was Westfield spring to mind before that yeah. um, as an out-and-out -out winner. Um, you know, and, and they didn't suddenly wake up one day and go, right, we want to, we want to be title winners this year. Let's go and do it. It was, it was a continuity. They, they, they grew, they progressed, um, they gradually improved their squad over time. Um, same could be said for Chelsea, really, as well. Um, you know, their continuity in the manager there as well. Been there a number of years at Chelsea. Um, 
from from a team point of view, I think being difficult to beat is is one of the is what is one of the key things. And it, it sounds so simple, it sounds so easy, but how often you know more time more often than not the team that concedes the least goals or keeps the most clean sheets is the team that wins the league. Mm. Um, and I think at, at this level, you know, no place you go to is an easy place to go and get three points. So, you know, winning the majority of your home games, making the most of and being difficult to beat away from home um, and picking up as many points as possible goes a long way. Um, mm. You've got to have good players as well. Um, you know, it's all good and well saying, right, we want, we, want to, we want to achieve good stuff and be at the top end of the table. You need to make sure that the squad you've assembled is, is the right kind of squad. Um, so it's fit, fit for purpose for this league. It's a physical yeah, yeah. league. It's a competitive league. Um, it's a league where games come thick and fast. You know these players play fifty games a season um, on some on some heavy pitches. Um, so you need to have a good squad. Uh, but I think you know, for me, in terms of what, what my pick, you know, that's an overall picture of the minimum the minimum basics you need to be successful. I think for me, it's a combination of of you know we want to play good football, we want to play attractive football, but we want to play in the right areas and we want to play. In, in the opposition's half and, and and get our players on the ball that can hurt people in and around their penalty area um, and and things like that and then be difficult to to beat at the other end. So I think there's there's no there is no recipe for success. Every club has to do it their their own way um, mm. and, and and find their own path. But I think you know we, we've got some good players at Red Hill. So if we can make the right additions, grow in the right areas. Um, some players can continue to improve on the steady path that they've been improving on. Um, you know that that will help us step towards that. But we're by by no means getting carried away with ourselves um, and and trying to run before we can walk. It's slow steps, small steps for this year. To get, you know, um, most importantly, getting out of trouble um, and out of that bottom three and away from there, and then and then looking up onwards and upwards from there. Really. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, not that I'm trying to uh, put any of our players down in any way, shape or form. I'm, I, you know, I, I've never been like that. Uh, and in certainly this season and possibly even parts of last season, it's been a while since I've looked at a team sheet and kind of gone, oh, you know, not too keen on that player or whatever. So this isn't a suggestion that we need any changes, but it's a kind of, from your perspective... Are there any areas of the team that you feel that you want to strengthen uh, or we're sort of, you know, uh, lacking in numbers, as it were? Uh, and again, it's not a, a first 11 thing. It's it's, it's also a, a case of having good players to be able to bring on. Um, so are we lacking anywhere from your mind's eye? Uh, we, 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 we've discussed it as a management team. Um, I think we've always got to be looking to be improving. Um, every manager wants to improve its squad and... And and if the opportunity to come along and sign a high a high quality player, um, and we've got the ability to do so, then we'd be foolish not to want to explore that avenue. Um, immediate, you know, immediate concerns. We're not blessed with lots of centre halves in the squad, um, so it's an area where, you know, we, we hope to, to to add an extra body in there um, to, to help help with the workload. Um, and obviously, you know, we have got a couple of players possibly playing out of position at fullback, but we've also got some injuries in those areas as well. So um, I think I think uh, the spine is somewhere we've looked 
and, and, and highlighted that maybe we could strengthen the spine of the squad. But again, it, it's strengthening the spine of the squad, um, you know, and, and people to come in and play part of that squad that we're looking for, mm. like characteristics. So we've been very careful not to rush into anything. From, you know, my perspective, whenever I've... Um... You know, my experience of knowing how teams go about getting new players in is always knowing about the premiership teams and they have big scouting networks and things like that. Um, I mean, how does it work at our level, trying to source new players? I mean, is it a case of having good contacts and uh, effectively having a scouting network that's not really part of the club, as it were, but people that you know? Um or is it a case of you literally doing some groundwork and getting out there and having a uh, a wander around some football grounds and watching some games to see what um, you know what players are out there, as it were? I mean, how how do you do it? How would you go about it? Yeah, so I think you've got to use every resource that's available to you. You know, this is a this is something that we we do in our in our spare time on top of careers um, and jobs and family and whatnot. So. You know, the more people you can talk to and network, the better. Um, I actually think, although I'm quite young into management, it actually works in my advantage, I think, because, you know, the players that I played with growing up um, are now at their, 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 their mid to late 20s. So they're playing and they're playing at this level or similar levels. Um, you know, I come through managing at a youth team level, under 18s level was my first sort of main job in football really and those players now are in their early 20s and playing you know Jack, Jack Minchin for example was someone that played for me at, at youth team level um, Josh Phillips as well who's obviously you've seen make a couple of yeah. uh, off the bench so the, the people that are playing the game now and playing at our level or in and around our level are people that, that I would have interacted with for for a number of years growing up um, and, and at the start of my football journey. So in terms of players, you know, certain clubs in our league, it's not feasible to to go and sign a player from that area. Lo- location is such a big thing. So mm. you, know, you look at certain clubs in the area, you know, Ascot, which player that plays for Ascot, for example, is going to be attracted by the prospect of coming to Red Hill. It, even if he mm. wants to, he might not be able to do the journey, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think what's what's important for us as Red Hill management team is, is identifying we're right on that Sussex border. So it's not just the Combine Counties League we should be looking in. Um, it should be, you know, dipping our toes into into the Kent League and, and what's in there from a recruitment point of view and also the Sussex League, um, you know, because there, there's good players in, in all different leagues that, that could add something mm-hmm. to us. Um, you know, I'm, I'm quite, quite lucky that, that there's people that, I've worked with or, or managed against over a number of years that are holding management positions now um, at higher level clubs that might be able to help us out if we ever need a player on loan. But there is no there is no set recruitment process. We don't we don't have a scout or anything like that. It's mm. it's on us to get out and watch games and watch as many people as possible um, and observe and take note if a player if a player catches your eye, remember the name. Uh, yeah, yeah. It might not be a, it might not be a necessity or something you can act upon now, but something you can act upon in the future should things change. And it, it, this game's changing all the time. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah, I mean, we've uh, as far as I'm aware, we've just had a change in as much as Evan Lopez has just left us and gone to Sutton Common Rovers, I believe. Um, I mean, have we got any any bodies coming in, as it were, uh, to make up his place or any others? Yeah, we, we obviously, like, you know, we've, we've added we've added a couple. Well, we're very close to to adding a couple. Um, okay, but don't want to name names just in case. Uh, all the forms are done, forms are signed and agreements are done. It's just waiting for, for the league to, to approve the forms, I suppose. So I don't want to speak until, until yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, everything's everything's uh, official. But we have added a couple of, of players from, from other clubs in the league. Um, obviously, you know, shame to lose Evan. Um, yeah, yeah. Good, I- he was an ever-present, really, in the league, uh, in the uh, squad, wasn't he? He was... Um, Barry yeah, um, and I think he played several games under yourself as well, didn't he? he played um, a few, yeah, yeah, he played. So. His last game was the CB Hounslow one. Uh, mm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, real shame to lose Evan. Uh, really, really good lad. Really good footballer. Um, I think he was exciting to watch um, and, and and played a key role for us. Definitely exciting to watch. He was one of those that could just change a game in a heartbeat um unfortunately also had the trait of wandering down sort of uh, dead end roads a few times with the ball but that's just the way it goes sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but um yeah no it's a shame to see him go uh how are we looking with the squad at the moment in terms of fitness and injury um anybody that's due to come back from injury or are we looking fairly clean at the moment we're, we're we're almost at a full at a full bill of health. Um, obviously, um, Nathaniel Kenlock missed out at Sutton Con Rovers and Leverhead um, through injury, but it allowed or sort of injury and illness, but it allowed Francis Tango to come back in. So he's back to full mm. full health now. Um, there is no other injuries. The um, apart from Noe Vendrell's, Noe Vendrell's been been long term injury. Um, okay. Something he picked up in pre-season, ankle injury. Uh, he sort of tried maybe come back a little bit too soon, played a couple of games. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember him playing at the Bad Shot Lee game. Yes, Bad Shot Lee, and at I think least. Maybe yeah, the yeah. Sutton Con Rovers game he was involved in. So, um, you know, he, he's played a couple of times, but we're, we're in regular contact with Noe. He's had, he's had his MRI scan um, again, just making sure there's definitely no no breaks or damage in there, but there shouldn't be. Um, and we're hopeful to get him back out on the pitch. Um, fairly soon and back with the squad. So, with that and, and, and a couple of additions um, over lockdown, we should we should be in a pretty healthy place and then actually quite happy with where we are, really, Dom, to be honest. Oh, good. Uh, well, to finish off, and uh, thank you for your time tonight with this, uh, with this podcast interview. It's been fantastic. But to finish off, um, what do you see as being your realistic sort of ideal outcome to this particular season and what are your hopes going forward? I mean, what, what would you really like to achieve with the club? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think, I think for this year, um, you know, from a league point of view, I think climbing the table. So, a realistic target we've set ourselves is, is we see ourselves as a top 10 side um, and, and we haven't maybe turned in those performances so far. Um, and and that, that doesn't mean that, that we think we'll, we'll walk into the top 10. We've got a lot of catching up to do and a long way to go, but we think it's a realistic expectation. We think it's a realistic target for us. Um, you know, it is, we are only 
a quarter of the way through the season, played nine games. We've got a lot, lot of football to play. Um, so we firmly believe that the top 10 is realistic for this year um, with where we are and, 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 and whatnot. Um, but to be honest, we've given ourselves a great opportunity in, in a couple of cups. And I think there's a, there's a bit of hurt around this, this squad um, with the unfortunate um, way I think, you know, we, we obviously had to withdraw from the FA Cup for reasons out of the boys' control. And obviously very disappointed with, with what we returned and, and in terms of performance in the FA Vars. So I think there's a lot of there's a lot of hurt in that in that in that dressing room from the boys that have been there since the start of the year, which is the majority. Um and I think from a management point of view, we've looked at a couple of the cup competitions. Um and, and we see no reason why we, we can't have a good cup run as well. You know, we're we're in this business to win things. Um and, and that League Cup, for example, is something that We'll be we'll be we'll be putting strong sides out, um, you know, and, and having a right good go at that one doesn't mean again that just because we're going to put strong sides out we're going to win it by no means. But if we play to the level we can, we can beat anyone uh, in this league on, on our day. Um, mm. So we we we, we want to target that and have a good go at that if we can, um, you know. And, and, and longer term, we want we want to keep improving. So if, you know, if we do get in the top ten. This year, great, and the next year we want we want to go one better and 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 be be top four or top six. Um, I think the important thing is is the club keeps growing. Um, it's a fantastic football club. It's trying to go in the right direction. Um, I think it's maybe had a dis- disappointing eighteen months on the on the football pitch, um, but I think a big step to that is is turning it around, um, getting things going in the right direction winning as many games as possible and and, and um, building a team that, that the people that come to watch Ready or Play like yourself and come every week, Dom, can sort of stand back and say, yeah, we're, we're, we're a bit of a side and, and, and we can play. And, 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 you know, the best way of doing that is turning out good performances. So, you know, long term, I'd, I'd love, love to see us challenging for, for the league title in the next in the next 18 months but that's that's easier said than done and every manager oh, yeah. in the league um yeah. what what I want is I want, I want more more nights like Leverhead. um mm. they can be cup nights they can be FA cup runs they can be be winning winning, winning more league games than than we did the year before um but yeah I think I I everywhere I've been I've strived for success um and and, and strive for challenging for titles and cup competitions so that's exactly what we want to be. Well, that all sounds brilliant. And I want to thank you very much for your time on the uh, podcast tonight. Um, I also wanted to just say something I've not mentioned yet in the podcast, which is um, prior to uh, the Leatherhead game, uh, my own family suffered a bit of a shock in as much as my dad who's been a supporter of the club since 1982 three, four, somewhere in that region sadly suffered uh, what turned out to be a, a double um, blood clot which has led to him going into hospital which then has led to him having to have a leg amputation after that which has now led on to him sadly contracting Covid as well which is it's just just a phenomenal set of events that's happened to him but on the night of the Leatherhead game um, I was unaware of this till 
maybe a few minutes into the first half. But somebody, I don't know who, had put up inspirational photos around the dressing room from what I saw, uh, one of which was my dad. And after the game, all the players came over to celebrate with the fans and several of them also mentioned, that's for your dad, that's for Reese, that's for the Dory family. Um, I just wanted to say to you, to pass on to the players as well, huge thanks for that. The result was a huge, huge cherry on the cake. But knowing that the boys had that in mind when they walked out onto the pitch or at the very end, it doesn't matter when it came to mind, but whether it was a piece of inspiration or not, we thank you hugely for that. It took me a little while to get that message through to my dad because he's been on very, very heavy medication and he's been hallucinating a bit and stuff like that. So I wanted to be sure that he knew what I was saying was actually going in. <laughs> um, but he sends his thanks as well and is looking forward to getting back to Red Hill at some point. Um, assuming he survives all of this, of course. Um, he, he is on the right side of this COVID um, positive test, which is that he's so far asymptomatic. But um, time will tell as to whether he suffers any other ongoing stuff to this. But of course, he's got to get through the uh, amputation bit um, and get his life back to normal or as normal as possible before he can even get back to football. But the main message is thank you to you and the boys for that night and for the message. And the club also sent flowers as well to to my mum and dad for, for everything. And that's just fantastic. It's just, I mean, I, I, I've never been keen on this sort of f uh, family club sort of tag and stuff. But it has been very much like that in as much as people have been thinking of of us, as it were, that whilst we're going through this. And it's... Um, it's fantastic to be part of this club whilst that's happening, you know, and um, again, thank you. No, thank thank you to you and your family, Dom, for, for all your support. And, and we, you know, we, 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 we are, we, we, we are a family club. We want to, we want to, we want to bring the people of the club together um, and every role they play, no matter how, how small or big, um, you know, the, the support is, is valued by the boys and, and, and the staff. So, um, you know, obviously our thoughts are with with, with Reese at this time and and, and your family and, and fingers crossed he pulls through and, and we're glad that we was able to to bring a smile to faces of your family at a, a mm. difficult time. But you know, um, and, and hopefully all being well, we'll be able to bring some more smiles to, to your face come come December the fifth and, and when we play Hamworth Villa. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Mady. Um Really appreciate it, and I wish you all the very best uh, with the managerial career here at Red Hill. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. No worries. And we hope to speak to you again sometime soon. Definitely, definitely. Cheers. Thank you very much. So a huge thanks to Harrison for the interview. That was fantastic. Some brilliant answers in there. Very insightful. It was great to speak to him for such a long time. Um, over his philosophy to do with football management, uh, how he sees things potentially going over the next year or two with Redhill. It's, it's it's certainly a good future to look forward to for the club, I think. And I, I, I personally think it's a good appointment, a very good appointment. He knows the lads. He knows the team. He's got his own thoughts and ideas on how he wants it to go. And I think it's just... I think the future's bright. I mean, uh, games... Uh, that we've recently had against Colliers, against Leatherhead, um, that throw up results like that don't just happen by accident. I think he's a, a very good influence on the team and uh, long may it continue. Um, well, 
the team itself uh, can only be as good uh, as the players that are within it and their performances can be influenced heavily by the pitch. And at Red Hill over the years, we've not been blessed with the best surface. Um, and I wanted to just go on to the, 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 you know, the subjects of the pitch and the ground and that. And <clears throat> the one thing that's been apparent this season so far is that the pitch seems to be in so much better shape, so much better order, even after heavy rainfall than it's done for years. I mean, I know there was a <clears throat> a reasonable amount of investment in the pitch uh, in the last few years, but not a lot of attention really goes on who looks after it. And that's, that's Paul Heisman. Um, he's done such a fantastic job. I mean, uh, I mean, how how important is it for you, uh, Charlie, with the team that the pitch is in uh, as good condition as it is? Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone wants to play on on good surfaces. I mean, back in the you know seventies and eighties, every pitch was was a mud bath. But um, obviously, as you said, we we've struggled over the years to have a good playing surface at Kilnbrow. Um But I mean, you could you could uh, mention so many people around the club, and we will do um, over the coming episodes. But Paul Heisman, um, has, you know, he's done a great job um, on the pitch, and he gives up so much time for the club. He he does the program, and he he does the pitch, and he does maintenance around the ground, and fixes things. And he's, he's just he's been a great asset to the club. Um, you know, anyone that is involved in the club would tell you that and uh you know the pitch this season as as is looking better than it ever has i think um i've been down to the ground a couple of times after really big rainfall and and there's not much water on it if if any so um you know paul's paul's a great a great asset to the club and uh, he's a great guy to have around and he's done really well on the pitch yeah, I can't remember which particular game it was, but um, and it wasn't too long ago, maybe a month, month and a half ago, that we'd had really heavy rain sort of through the Thursday, Friday leading into the weekend and even rain overnight into the Saturday. And I, I said to my eldest son, I said, there's no way game's going to be on today. We're going to be seeing a tweet in the next couple of hours uh, from yourself saying, game off. And... Um, within 20 minutes there was a, a tweet going game on and I was like what really um that is um how well this that the pitch has been doing and um <laughs> I know it's a bizarre shout out but it is a yeah. big shout out to the football pitch it's fantastic and that that kind of only happens obviously through those that are willing to give up their time time and look after it and um uh, I know Paul does put in a lot of effort it's it's fantastic you know he's obviously got to know that pitch pretty well uh what it needs when it needs it uh he's uh, out there cutting the grass after games um, and prior to games, if if needs be, I guess he's out there with the. Uh, I think we've got a uh, one of those um, water soakers, haven't we, as well that that can go across the pitch. That must work pretty well. Um, but um, but yeah, he does do a lot for. for I, I don't think I've ever been to the ground without him being there. He's always there, with, and that's away from from game time as well. If I've cropped up to sort of help with something myself, he's there as well, doing doing bits. He's just a fantastic character. 
Yeah, yeah but I mean, Paul, I, there's not many days that Paul's probably not down the ground um, fixing things or working on the pitch. And as you say, every every game, I mean, pre-season, I mean, every game he was on the pitch for an hour, two hours after, you know, cutting it and putting water on it and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, much, um, much appreciated uh, because, you know, it's great to play on a nice pitch. Uh, it certainly helps good football to be played if 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 your philosophy is to get the ball down and play it and not just lump it long. You do need a good surface to work on. And, and from this season's play, we have been pretty much a team that likes to get it down and play it. Um, and, you know, I think um, without a, a good level, non-bobbly, uh, shortcut grass pitch you're not going to achieve that as it were um, but Paul's efforts are certainly given the lads a decent surface to play on so um, going forward of course we've got football to look forward to in the next few weeks as long as Boris lets us out of um, lockdown um, I do believe that we are supposed to be restarting on the 5th of December who have we got Charlie yeah, tough start after uh, lockdown. Um, on the fifth, we uh, we welcome Hamworth Villa, um, who are second in the uh, table and only uh, th- six points off of Sutton Common Rovers, and they have two games in hand. So it show shows what a tough game that will be. Um, and then also at home the week after, Spellform Sports, who are fourth, and again always a good side, and um, that'll be a tough tough game for us. Um, Obviously, we have the two cup games coming up as well with Guildford City at home on the 16th of December in the uh, Surrey Cup. And then we play Westside in the uh, Combine County's Premier Challenge Cup. Um, again, a, a step six side, but they've got some good players and, and they will be a tough a tough nut to crack because uh, they've, they've beaten some good sides um, this season already. So um, there's some tough games in December. Um, and when you look at Harrison's games since he actually took over on a permanent basis. I mean, Sutton Con Rovers away, who are top. Uh, Leverhead away in the Surrey Cup. Amworth Villa at home, who are second. And then Spellform Sports as well. So, you know, there's some tough games in there. But you know, as, as we've said already, it'll be, it'll be good. And, and I feel like we can go into them games with confidence, knowing that we can beat any side on our day. Indeedy, and uh, just sort of expanding on the cup games that we've got coming up, the uh, the Premier Challenge Cup, uh, where we've got Westside, uh, the draw for the next round has actually been made today, I think it was, or maybe even yesterday. If if we're lucky enough to beat Westside, uh, we will be away to CB Hounslow United, or, and I can never say the second part of this name, FC Deportivo Galicia. Um I can never say that second bit, but that's who we would then go through to play if we beat Westside, who we've got to travel away to um, next month. So that would be quite good if we can uh, uh, get through those games, because there's not many rounds left after that, I do believe. Um, But we shall see what happens. Well, that's basically it for today's podcast, um, for this episode. Uh, I... Thank hugely the uh, contribution of uh, Harrison with the interview. That was fantastic. And, um, of course, co-host Charlie. Thank you for the conversation tonight. Uh, fantastic. He will be with us again in episode two, which should be in two weeks' time. Um, 
as much as we are looking to do this every two weeks, there may be a blip or two here or there, depending on what fixtures we've got coming up, what games there are to talk about. So it might not be a regular two weeks, but it may well be a regular two weeks. That's what we're looking for. Um, of course, this all depends on lockdown and how we go with Boris and his next announcement as to whether we get out of this. But uh, we shall see what happens. Thank you very much, Charlie. It was good to speak to you again tonight. Thank you, Dom. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers, matey. We'll see you all soon. Ta-ta.